Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Well, if you have your uh, uh, copy of your Bibles, either turn them on or open them up to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We are in our fourth uh, week in the series that Pastor Chad Crouch uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, living a life that wins, and we're soaking uh, in the Ten Commandments, or as the Scriptures actually call them, the Ten Words, God's big ten uh, words to us found in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter uh, 5. And um, I want to remind you as to to our perspective uh, as we come uh, to the Ten Commandments, why we do, how we view them, why God gave them uh, in part. And uh, remember that uh, a life that wins comes after acceptance by Jesus Christ uh, as Lord and Savior, not before, not before, because God gave these 10 words to the ancient uh, Hebrews, and uh, he did not come to them when uh, they were slaves in Egypt these many thousand years ago. He did not come to them as slaves in Egypt and say, now, 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 I have 10 commandments. And I'm going to give them to you, and then I'm going to come back in five years, and if you, uh, if you get these right, then I'm going to, uh, and you've got your life cleaned up, and they're all in alignment, then I'm going to set you free from the Egyptians. No, he did not say that. The, the Hebrews were an enslaved, oppressed people, and God did come to them and say, I hear your cry. I love you, and I will save you because I love you. And then when, once you are saved and once you are free and forgiven, then I'm going to teach you a new way to live. I'm going to teach you how to live with me. I'm going to teach you my will and ways. I'm going to teach you a life that wins. This is the gospel. This is the pattern of salvation. We are reminded, and we need to hear it all the time, that salvation is not a reward that God gives us for our obedience. No, no, no. Salvation is the reason for our obedience. Uh, because we have been saved by His amazing grace without one plea, uh, we, we, out of love and gratitude for the love of Christ, uh, love of God poured out uh, on us in Christ Jesus, then we obey uh, as, as a, a, a life of, of worship. And so as we come to the Ten Commandments, we are coming, uh, seeing after, after we come to faith, he's saying, now here's how I want you to live. Uh, and, and it's with your best interest and the best interest of the entire world uh, at heart that I have uh, in mind. So today we come to the Fifth Commandment, the Fifth Commandment, and we find it in verse 12 of Exodus chapter 20. It's going to be on the screen. This is God's Word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, it, it, when this was repeated years later by Moses in the book of Deuteronomy to, to God's people, uh, he added a little phrase there. Uh, he said, honor your father and mother uh, so that it may go well with you or so that you may prosper, and you may have a long life in the land that I am 
giving you. So this is the first commandment with a promise. Over in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 1, we'll come to that verse um, a little later, verses 1, 2, and 3, we kind of find the New Testament uh, repetition uh, of, uh, of this uh, verse. And it, it tells us that this is the first pr- uh, commandment with a promise. There's a promise here. And uh, we want to make sure that we... Uh, uh, that we experience that. He's saying, uh, remember, as part of this command, uh, these are guidelines for the good life. This is, my, this is the way to a life that wins. This is uh, a way to, to living at its finest. Uh, one of the foundation stones, honor your father and your mother. But we have a problem, don't we? Well, we have a couple of problems. One of them is this. We tend to think that this is the one commandment that's for children's church and that that's all it's for. You know, that, well, it seems like all these other commandments were for, were for adults. And then he says, and oh, yeah, 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 you kids obey your mom and daddy. Well, uh, it's not, it doesn't mean less than that, but it certainly means more. And uh, the implications are huge for you and me because um, how you and I relate to our parents from the time we are little children, even into our adult years, will affect every other relationship in our lives. God laid this foundation stone because he wanted us to live in relational wisdom and health. Uh, Way, way, way down there in the people, uh, way, way down there in the Hebrew, uh, there's a little loose translation that says, I'm giving you this so you can work on your people skills. We learn people skills by how we relate to our parents. And so God is saying this is a uh, this is a, this is for all of us. Second problem we have is that some of you had terrible parents, and you're immediately saying, oh, "You're, I, what do you mean honor my parents? How can I do so?" Well, hang on, I'm going to come back to you in a moment uh, because that's that's a reality. There there are no and were no perfect parents. Uh, But what God says here today to you and me is part of his plan for living at its finest. And so we're going to jump really practically into how do I honor my parents. So uh, grab your note sheet and a pen and here we go. Now uh, let's lay a foundation. How we practically live this out really all depends on what stage of life we're in. It looks differently in each stage of life. So first of all, here you go, write this down. When I'm a child, I honor my parents by obeying them. That's what you thought. I honor my parents by obeying them when I'm a child. Ephesians 6, 1 says it this way, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. In the Lord. Now, he's saying, if your parents command you or influence you or urge you to disobey God, don't do it. The Bible never okays disobeying God. But he's saying, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. It's not only right. He goes on in verses 2 and 3 of Ephesians chapter 6 and again says that it may go well with you, that life may be better, and that you may live long in the the land. Now, I grew up with some some folks, and... um, and I've been a pastor for almost 50 years, and I've seen a lot of children and young children to move into adolescence who did not honor their mother and father, and they didn't live long. They didn't live long. I can take you to their grave sites. I can take you to their graves, show them. 
They didn't live long. There's, that just happens. He, he's saying, I want you to live long and I want you to live well. And uh, so pay attention. So what is obedience? Well, uh, obeying just simply means doing what they say willfully, pleasantly, and immediately. In our, uh, years ago in our, in our kid, Dogwood Kids ministry here, we had a little song. It went like this. You ready? Obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it happily. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. When I was a little kid, a couple of times, David, my, I, I obeyed my, I can remember two times, I obeyed my mama and I got a spanking from my daddy still. There was that happily part was not there. The pleasant part was not there, and, and therefore life quickly became unpleasant for me. And so obedience is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it happily. So uh, willingly, uh, eagerly, pleasantly, we do so. Uh, so we are, uh, God says, this is right, this is good. So uh, this was obvious. As a child, as a child, we, uh, we obey our parents and we honor them this way. Now, second, as a young person, as an adolescent, maybe moving into young adulthood, um, we honor our parents by accepting, appreciating, and respecting them. There's three big words, accepting, appreciating, and respecting them. Now, first of all, we honor them by accepting them. You know, as we grow older, we, we, we gain the capacity to recognize the character flaws and the faults of our parents, don't we? Right? Really. Right? I mean, really, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're thinking, yeah, remember them? Yeah. You, you, you started, oh, mom's not perfect, dad's not perfect. And, uh, and it throws us a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, but we begin to notice that, their character, flaws, hang-ups. And so it becomes important to accept them in spite of their weaknesses. Now, some of you say, why kids sometimes say to me when I'm speaking to students, why should I, why should I accept my parents? I mean, I didn't have any choice, and I didn't get to choose my parents. Well, that's true. But they didn't get to choose either. <laughs> I mean, they didn't get to choose you. They got stuck with you. They got stuck with, my parents got stuck with me, and so we're stuck with each other. Therefore, acceptance is, um, is vital. Now, it does not mean pretending they're perfect. It does not mean ignoring their mistakes. It does not mean uh, agreeing with everything that they did or that they asked you uh, to do. Uh, but it does mean at least three things. So what is acceptance? Well, first of all, write down the word acknowledge. You acknowledge them. You acknowledge that God used them to give you life and bring you into the world. And regardless of how they treated you growing up, good or bad, happy or sad, you owe them your life. You owe them your life regardless of their parenting skills. So acceptance means acknowledging. Thank you. You gave me life. Now today in a culture where they can legally abort you, you better be grateful to your parents. Thank you. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you that I'm here. Uh, second, acceptance means listening to what they have to say without the virus. You know what the virus is? It affects the eyeballs. <laughs> you know, the rolling of the eyes. Yeah, there's a virus there. It comes with adolescence. So in spite of what the book says, I think adolescence might be a disease. But... Um, 
but uh, it means listening to what they have to say. Now, when we're out on our own, we, we're not bound by our parents' uh, advice, but, but do not, the Scriptures would say, even if it's given um, uninvited, there is an axiom. It's not in the Scriptures. I think maybe we should staple it in the back of the Bible. And, uh, but it, 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 there's an axiom that says this, the time to give advice is when it's asked for. Uh, that may be true, that may be true, but parents tend to have parental uh, privileges, and uh, even when we're growing older. And so when, when advice is given, respectfully listen. It, it's a way of honoring your parent. Listen, and say, you might even say, if you're a young adult, you know, Mom and Dad, I, I know you've now, you have now officially moved from my chairman and co-chair of my you know, or co-chairs of my board of directors now to my board of advisors. And I will always listen to what you say, and I will listen seriously. I might not do it, but I'm going to consider it seriously. That's a, that's a, uh, a, a way of accepting them. Listen to this, Proverbs 23, verse 22. The Scriptures say, Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. So, at least you can you can disagree without being disagreeable, even if they're being disagreeable. Because remember, the Proverbs also says, a, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Just bite your tongue. Things, if it gets elevated, don't you get elevated. You honor your parents by remaining calm. Even if, like one, one lady told me one day, yeah, I can remain calm, but my mom is a nuclear reactor. It's always an expl- it's either quiet or an explosion, and and it, it's really difficult. That's why we need the fruit of the spirit. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to control, stay calm, stay at peace, stay respectful. A harsh answer, uh, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. Pay the courtesy of listening uh, to them when they. Speak And acceptance also means, here's another word, forgiving them. Forgiving them for any harm that they've done to you. Now, you might bristle at that. I don't have time to tell you how to forgive, but we spent weeks on this issue in August and September, this past August and September. If you'll go back to our website, I think those messages are still posted there um, about how to forgive. And, and so um, go back and listen. Go back and listen. But it's not optional. God says, you know, if we live together long enough, we're going to hurt each other. We're close to each other, members of our own family. So families must be built on forgiveness. They are built on forgiveness. Listen to this. Proverbs 20, verse 20 says, Whoever curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in deep darkness. Wow. If you're still hurting and bitter over things your parents uh, did to you in the past, you're still allowing them to control your life. They may, they, your parents may have been dead for years, but this is why forgiveness is essential. So we accept our parents by acknowledging them, listening to them, forgiving them. And second, we honor them by appreciating them. We appreciate them, show some gratitude. Gratitude goes a long way. 
Gratitude goes a long way. Some of you had very good parents, and showing appreciation is very easy. Others of you did not have great parents, and it can be very um, very difficult. But there, even if it's difficult, there are at least two um, things you can appreciate about your parents regardless of who they were and what they did. First of all, you can appreciate their effort. Major on the word effort. Parenting is difficult. Parenting is demanding. Parenting is energy draining. Parenting is relentless. That's what we've said. <laughs> Allison and I have always said uh, in our life, it's just relentless. Um, you know, at the end of the day when the kids were young, and we call it after the witching hour when you kind of got everybody to, to bed and, and, you know, you crawled back down the stairs to your chair and you said, parenting is re- relentless. It is a, uh, there's a lot of effort there. Have you ever considered how much easier your parents' life would have been if they hadn't had you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when was the last time you just thanked them for putting up with you? Because who else would? I mean, who else would have? So you can appreciate their effort. Number two, you can appreciate their sacrifice. Uh, Parenting is also expensive. I did a little research this past week and discovered that the the latest uh, estimates in North America is that it takes approximately a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000, to raise a child from birth to maturity. One, one writer said it this way, a parent is defined as someone who carries photographs where they used to carry money. <laughs> it's expensive. It's just, it's very expensive. So um, appreciate their, their sacrifice. Listen to this, Proverbs 23, verse 22 says this, when your mother is old, show her your appreciation. Thank them. Thank them. And so we honor our parents when we accept them, when we appreciate them, and third, when we respect them. When we respect them as adolescents and young adults, uh, you know, some, some say that adolescence is the time in life when we're tempted to think and feel that parents have suffered brain death. Uh, but God says to, the, to us when we are uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers and college age, still with some dependency upon our parents, Uh, Obey the fifth commandment because it is part of my path for a life that wins for you. Respect them. It is the time to grow independent of your, your parents. I mean, God's plan are for kids to grow up and mature and be on their own. It's our culture. We've, you know, we have postponed adulthood in our culture to our detriment. And so parents, I would say, don't, try, don't hang on to them. Try to grow them up and let them get out on their own as quickly as you can possibly get them there. And tell them that's your point. That I, I want you to be independently dependent upon Jesus and I, my best friend when you grow up. That's what I'm trying to get you there. I want you to have independence and freedom in the best life possible. That is God's plan. That is God's plan. Um, and so... We are to grow independent, but learning how to be independent works best when we do it in the context of a loving family. Those changes and transitions tend to become much more healthy than when we do it in isolation. Isolation is a bad, bad thing. So um, we honor our parents in those, in those ways, uh, accepting them, appreciating them, and respecting them. Now, there's a third stage, and it's the stage of adulthood. 
as an adult, here's what I do. I honor my parents by affirming and not abandoning them. Affirming and not abandoning them. You know, the Bible describes honoring our parents as uh, that we're to treasure them. We're to, to hold them in high esteem. To honor, that word honor is, is the same Hebrew word that speaks of, the glo- of praising God or the glory of God. It speaks of weightiness. Ascribe weightiness to our parents. That they're, whoa, they, these, are the, these are the big, important relationships in our, uh, in our lives. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 says, When it is in your power, don't withhold good from the one to whom it belongs. And honor belongs to our parents. So affirm your parents while you can. You know, flowers at a funeral are for us. Uh, I'd go ahead and send flowers. If your parents are still on the planet, send them now. Whatever flowers look like um, to you. Um, affirm them as while you can. And here, here's some practical ways to do it. Stay in touch. Stay in touch. Stay in touch with your, with your parents, your aging parents. Um, psychologists and uh, sociologists and anthropologists and people who study human behavior and relationships all agree that in North America, I don't know what it's like in other cultures and other parts of the world, but in North America, uh, relational maintenance uh, requires at a minimum, at a minimum, one phone call a week. At a minimum. If you're not having any more contact than that with, with anyone of significance in your life, a friend, a family member, the relationship is withering. It, it's, it's, it's drawing uh, apart. And so uh, make a call. Now, some of you may be like me. You're well-intentioned. You love lots of people, but you have this thing about your personality. First time I, I, when I went to seminary, they, they had me take all this psychological testing to make sure I was not going to be some weirdo pastor that ends up in the news. And, um, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it's true. And so, and so one of the things when I sat down for the readout with our, with the, the head of the Christian counseling department at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, he said, oh, you're going to be fine. You're going to, you're, you're shaped just right to be a, a pastor. Hey, there's a couple of little things you need to understand that, that part of your personality makeup, you have this thing called out of sight, out of mind. I said, what do you mean by that? He said, you love people. You love lots of people. You want all the friends you can possibly get. You love your family. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. He said, but you're, when, when they're out of your sight, you're going to forget them. You wake up, oh, yeah, I have, oh, yeah, I have a daughter. You know, I mean, I, not that bad. It was not that bad. <laughs> but, uh, but out of sight, out of mind, you get all involved in life, and you, then you realize, oh, two weeks have gone by, and I've not called my dad. A month has gone by, and I've not FaceTimed my grandkids. Uh, some of you might have that. Well, you have to put mechanisms in place. Put it on your to-do list. It comes up every... You set an appointment with yourself to make contact with your parents. Write them. Send them notes. You know, the good thing now with FaceTime and all... You know, hey, man, it's, it's better than the Jetsons, just what we always wanted. We can, you know, talk to people on our screens. This is a younger crowd. Does anybody know who the Jetsons were in this? Okay, I just... Uh, I, I thought I'd gone ahead and you'd gone back to sleep for a minute there. But yeah, you know, we can, so you can communicate. So stay in touch with your, um, your parents because they treasure you. 
And so, uh, and also keep them up to date on the details of your life. They just like to know what's going on with you. Now, when, when my parents were getting older and I'd call them and say, how are y'all? They'd basically say how much rain came that day. And that was pretty much it. Uh, but they wanted to, they wanted a lot of details. What are you doing? How was your day? Tell me about Allison. Tell me about Leanne and Mary Beth and what are they doing and how's that going? And how'd that make them feel? And I mean, they just want to know just, it just, it, it enriches them. You are a treasure. You matter of fact, you are really the only treasure outside of, of the Lord Jesus that they have, that they consider a treasure. You and your, their grandkids. And if they live long enough, great grandkids stay in touch. It, it is an honor. It's a way we honor our parents. And li- again, back to their counsel. Listen to their counsel, even if you don't follow it. And, and we also honor them in, when they're in older years by not abandoning uh, our parents. You know, people are living longer now, right? We are. We're living longer now, and, and they're, you know, we, the older we get, the more care we need. Well, the scriptures say, God says in his will and his ways, as followers of Jesus, this lifestyle that we lead, this life that wins, it says that the way that we treat and care for our elderly parents is a demonstration of the legitimacy of our faith, whether we're really Christians or not. It is an outward sign of whether or not we really are followers of Christ. Listen to this, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. And so the Scriptures are very clear. When our parents and our grandparents become too old to care for themselves, it's our responsibility. Um, now, I, I don't... How we do that, the Bible doesn't get down into those weeds. But we are responsible to see that they're cared for. Uh, Some of you live on the other side of the country from your aging parents. Some of you live on the other side of the world from your aging parents. And it's more difficult. But we're still responsible to make arrangements for everything we can do to lovingly provide for their uh, care. First Timothy chapter five verse four. Listen to this. It says these Christians should put their religion into practice for their own family, and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. He God uses that term repaying. He's basically saying uh, they cared for you when you could not care for yourself to the point that you could take care of yourself. Now. I, God said, I expect you to care for them when they can no longer care for themselves. And uh, it's part of following Christ. I've always been amazed. You know, a few moments ago in our service, we, we took the time and observed the Lord's Supper. And uh, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we think of the cross and Jesus' death on the cross, His body that was broken for us, His blood that was shed for us. And I, I was reminded this morning of going back to that time when Jesus hung on the cross, taking the, the sin of the world on himself, performing the most uh, exhausting and incredible, actually incomprehensible responsibility that any being has ever or will ever perform uh, in, in, in the history of mankind. And in the middle of that, he thought of his mother. 
And he looked down and Mary, his aging mother, was at the foot of the cross observing his execution. And he looked at John, the disciple, and said, you take care of my mother. He was thinking of all of us when he died on the cross, but he was thinking especially of caring for his mother when he's gone. And he leaves us an example, the scriptures say, that we should follow in his steps. Wow. Now, I want to speak to two groups here. I've mentioned uh, you earlier, some of you had parents who hurt you deeply. And your life honestly may have been devastated by it. I want you to know, first of all, that God's word says that there is severe judgment reserved for child abusers, uh, for people who mistreat and neglect children, for people who molest children, all those kinds of things. The Bible says there, God has severe judgment reserved for those. Jesus said it this way. If anyone offends one of these little ones, it is better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown into the bottom of the ocean. So God will take care of all that. He's going to take care of all that. So what does God expect me to do then? Well, uh, you know, how do I honor a parent who is dishonorable to me? That's a good question. Well, he's not commanding us to do some things. He, he's, not, he's not asking us to gloss over it. He's not asking us to deny the pain. He's not asking us to repress it or to make excuses for our parents, uh, no matter what they did. You know, to say, and I hear people say sometimes, well, you know, daddy did the best he could or mama did the best she could. Well, no, they probably didn't. No, they probably stunk. It, and so he's not saying here, God does not want, want you to fake it. He wants you to face it. We get over the pain by facing it. Head on, hanging on to Jesus and dealing with the reality. The, it's the only way to get past your pain. Some of you have unfinished business with your parents or one or the other, or both. And just the thought of it brings tear to your eyes, and you really wish, I would, I don't, this is uncomfortable hearing this. How can I, you've been wondering all your life, how can I deal with this? Well, you, you may still be reacting to your parents by venting all of your anger toward other people, your husband or your wife or your kids or your friends or your employees, and uh, you're a miserable person to be around because of it. It takes a courageous decision to make peace with your parents. But you got to do it. Uh, the Bible says that we must release the anger. Followers of Jesus, we yield ourselves to Him. We trust the power of God, the Holy Spirit. But in the book of Colossians, He says that we are to we are to rip off us, take away from us rage, malice, slander. Rip it. It's, it's, the picture is ripping it off like a filthy shirt, a filthy garment that we must take it off. There's some things that we can practically do to take that off. One is to arrange a meeting with your parents. I know that sounds terrible. I mean, it does. It's scary. But to say, I want, I want to honor, be able to honor you, and but I need, I need, we need to talk about what you did. Now, they may refuse that. 
And all you can do is, the book of Romans says, is, is, as much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. But it doesn't all depend upon you. They may refuse to see you or may refuse to talk about it, and they may go their own way. But you do, you do your best. And then you may need to then go to someone who is gifted at helping you untie those naughty, gnarly, emotional knots and go through the process of forgiving and releasing them whether they ever respond to you or not. I recommend Christian counselors. They're gifted at this. They're gifted at this. I've been seeing a Christian counselor for years. He's a good friend. I see him about every two years. I tell him, I'm going to buy you, I'll buy you lunch or supper anywhere in Atlanta. And, um, and you make sure I'm not, like I said, not going to be the next pastor that ends up on 2020. I, love, I thank God for Christian counselors. They're wise, godly people that God's gifted uniquely to help us with these really emotionally tough and relationally tough uh, issues. They're, I call them God's heart surgeons. And um, so you may need to do that. But whatever you do, do it. Now, uh, some of you can't talk to your parents for some reasons. And s- some of you may have parents who have passed away. And... Um, you might just need to write all this out in a letter. Take your time. Write it all out in a letter and uh, go to their grave and read it to them and uh, confront what, what they did and tell them you forgive them and then leave it. Get away from there. There was another group of you who were abandoned by your parents. And a word, so a word to those of you without parents. You're abandoned by a mom or a dad or maybe, maybe both for whatever reason. They weren't, they weren't present in your, in your life. Well, for those of you in this situation, I want you to know that you get, you get special attention from God. You get special attention from God. He says in the Scriptures, I, I, God says, I assume responsibility for abandoned children, for the fatherless. In, in the psalmist prayed in Psalm 27, verse 10, My father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. He is a good, good father. That's why we sang to him at the first of the service. He is a, he is a perfect father. He, is, uh, he loves you unconditionally. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He wants you, and He wants you in His family. Even those of you who may have had misplaced anger at God and been shaking your fist at God and, and stiff-arming God all your, all your life, uh, He says, no, 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 I, He's still pursuing you. He says, turn around with open arms, I will welcome you back. Some of you have never come to faith in Christ, never come to God through faith in Christ because you, you've... you've You've misunderstood God, but he is a good, good father. Through his son, Jesus Christ, he's made a way for you. And so pray with me. Some of you may be ready. You may be saying, well, well, pastor, I've never come to faith in Christ. I've never come to God through faith in Jesus. I've been living life on my own. What do I do? You repent of your sin and you place your trust in Jesus. And I want to lead you through a time of prayer where you can do that. So pray with me from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I've gone my own way. I have sinned with my thoughts and words and actions. And I'm sorry for my sin. 
I turn from them in repentance. I believe you died for me, taking my sins in your body on the cross. And I thank you for your great love. Now I open the door of my life. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and God and take control of me. And I will serve you as you give me strength all the days of my life. Lord, I want to thank you for hearing these prayers. And I want to thank you that you have made a way for us to be made new, to be different, to come to you and then be transformed in character and in value and in perspective to live a life that wins. I want to thank you for those who have trusted in you as Lord and Savior for the first time this morning. And thank you for those here who have committed once again to obey the fifth commandment, to honor, now that we know you, Lord, out of love and obedience, to adjust our lives and honor our father and our mother, that it may go well with us and that our days may be long. And we give you thanks for these things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give.